A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Hello everyone and welcome to Black Berea Podcast. This yo, is episode yo. three. Hola. My Buenas name is dias. Mary and who else is in the room? Izzy. Straight up. And, and Big Rich. Nobody calls you Big Rich. Okay, Nobody. Big Rich. Nobody calls Don't you try slander me on this team. Bro. <laughs> Nobody, calls you Big Rich. Nobody calls you Mary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. We've got Top A in the room as well, actually. And Rich's wife. Shout out Rich's wife. Um, Shout out to my wife, though. Um, what was I going to say? So, what are we talking about today? The Reformation. <laughs> <laughs> we have to ask you your questions. <laughs> well, I looked at you guys. He wasn't offering anything. So. Um, yeah, um, we're talking about the Reformation today. Um, yeah. Which is on Reformation Day is October the thirty first, mm. which is five for those that years don't know this year, and we're just gonna get into it and all its straight up implications yeah. for today. Um, so how you guys doing though? I feel like I don't want to jump into it. How you guys doing? How's the week been? <laughs> don't ask me about my week, cuz you don't even uh-uh. know Big Rich. Uh-uh. <laughs> what? You're not serious <laughs> at all. <laughs> You're not serious at all, Israel. How are you? I'm sitting in the room just shaking her head at me. Who? <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Disappointment. That's what she's looking like. <laughs> <laughs> Israel, how was your week? Um, it was was okay. Got to relax a bit and more sleeping. Um, yeah, yeah, essentially because obviously to have the optimum level of cognitive skills. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You're sleeping because it's half term. Um, <laughs> the beauty of half term, eh? For a teacher, eh? Um, How was your week, Richard? My week was cool. Mm-hmm. I've literally just been a mixture of like, of of, of work and panic, because uh, yeah, I don't know when my wife is gonna is gonna pop. Essentially, um, wow. she's about to give birth, y'all. It's real. It's so <laughs> real. guys. If if anything happens today, yeah, Big Rich Junior, the show must go on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we might have to go to the hospital. Blackberry in hospital, that big room, mm. delivery room. Mm. <laughs> Get the doctors and Make midwives to give some commentary. Mm, no, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> what is Israel like? My week's been good as well. What? Thanks for asking. Um, thanks You're for welcome. asking, guys. My week's, You're my still week's been your great. Questions. My week's been great, by the way. Okay, let's get into this because you guys are annoying me already. Um, so the first question: What exactly is the Reformation? Mm. What What is it? Izzy, Izzy, what's the Reformation? <laughs> as that's what you like to um, What is it? It's it was a movement, um, a protest, mm. a social, political, cultural um, paradigm shift mm. in okay. Europe. Okay, hit him. <laughs> I um, I mean, okay, yeah. When it boils down to it, it was the second word I used: a protest against the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, that's how it started. Um, that was the bulk of uh, the issues that surrounded. Um, the reformers um, principally Luther and then into generations like Calvin and Swingley and so on Um, so yeah it was a protest against certain beliefs and practices in the Roman Catholic Church which I think are essentially defined in Martin Luther's 95 thesis so yeah Martin Luther pinned the 95 thesis I think in the 16th century right or end of the 14th yeah yeah 16th century which is the 1500s yeah yeah Yeah. Um, he pinned the 95 thesis against the the church in in wittenberg yeah 1517 october 20 oh <laughs> october 31st yeah also oh, 500 31st. years yeah um, so this marks the 500 year anniversary uh for the reformation um and i think something that we want to make sure we capture is that it centers around the pinning of the 95 thesis to the to the church door but it's not necessarily just uh, yeah. about one man at that particular point but it's yeah something that preceded that period um okay. you know with people like jan jan Huss or jan i can't even remember his name now but i'll, I'll, I'll think about it later and <laughs> and a few other people do you know what i mean mm. um people like Wick, john wickliffe and stuff like that mm. and all the way through to your calvin's later on and and and, and still its effects are still being seen today so, so what was the 95 thesis what, what exactly was that what you want to say on 95 
<laughs> no, I mean, like, what was it? A document? Like, what was he painting? It was the wall? <laughs> I know the first I'm one. thinking for my listeners, they might not know yeah, this. Yeah, so the 95 Thesis was basically 95 issues <laughs> that Luther had with the church. The Catholic Church? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, the first one is his. Well, so he starts by saying, repentance, all of life is repentance. And the, the, a wrong perception of what repentance is, when you go further down the 90, or, uh, the, these, the 95 Thesis, you find that the bulk of the issues um, center around the practice of indulgence that was given the wrong perception of what true spiritual vitality looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on top of just the theological problems with, in, with with indulgences, there was also a social problem in that the priests who were offering indulgences were using it to fill their pockets. Okay. So there's this immoral priest who's taking money off the poor, telling them you can be in right standing with God if you continue to give your money for, for indulgences. But it's also teaching these peasants and these people a wrong picture it's teaching them a wrong doctrine of what it what it means to be in right standing with God, what it means to grow in faith, what it means to be spiritually healthy, um, and it, it, it continues to go through the Roman church and excavating the errors within it that are hurting the people um, that sit in the pews. Mm. That was nice. Excavating. Mm. <laughs> so, so tell me more. Luther's issue was he wasn't <laughs> trying to break or divide no, the church. Yeah. He was just trying to reform the church. Yeah, he was trying to essentially say we're doing this wrong. Here's how we can change it for the better and, and and it's probably worthwhile just giving some context the roman catholic church essentially at the time was was the only really, yeah yeah it was really the only church they were the superpowers not just and not just theologically speaking but socio-politically speaking as well they mm-hmm. were uh, superpowers and they defined how how religion essentially looked for example they didn't they they used the latin vulgate at the time and they didn't have the Bible translated into the the, the yeah. language of the culture or the yeah. day and age. Yeah. Um, they actually punished you with death for translating the Bible at that time. Hmm. Wow. Um, you know, you start to see things like the the Pope and the infallibility of the Pope, things that we still see today. Mm-hmm. But things like that were being professed as well, um, that the Pope is um, is inerrant in his speech, for example. Um, and, and, and all these various issues, and, and as, as Israel's also pointed out, um, Izzy, um, has pointed out uh, things like uh, the in- the selling of indulgences and um, and just people trying to essentially profit off the religion. It was a really dark time for the church. Mm. Um, but something that's, again, quite beautiful about the Reformation is just that it was literally a beacon of light to many mm. who actually realized the issues, had identified the issues, but feared death, essentially. Um, and, and you had many who gone before who were actually martyred for the sake of this cause of the gospel and trying to preach faith by works, trying to preach that the 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 sacraments that the the numerous sacraments that the Catholic Church was trying to advocate were not all sacraments. Um, trying to constantly preach that transubstantiation was nowhere found in the Bible, that the holy water wasn't really holy water, that mm. all these different kind of things they were dealing with this, not praying to saints and to dead people, no such thing as purgatory. They dealt with a ton of different issues, a plethora, and Luther essentially stands on the back of martyrs gone before him, yeah. um, on the back of various people who have fought to translate the Bible and to do all these kind of things. And Luther then goes and pins that 95 thesis. And once the floodgates open, you know, it's what began as a small ripple eventually resulted in a huge reformation in, in life, theology and culture. Mm. So this German monk comes, he pins this document on the wall and it kind of causes this protest. Yeah. Um. So why are we... Why are we discussing it today? Like, what relevance do you think it has today? Um, what relevance does it have today? Mary, what relevance do you think it has today? <laughs> what do you think, Mary? Um, I think it reminds me of, well, when I've, when I've been reading it this past week and so forth, I think it's been reminding me of just the church history. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that there's that the things that happened 500 years ago still impact the church today. And you, and you can see it, um, the, the importance of knowing what justification is and how that is the crux of Christianity. Yeah. And that was ultimately what, what Luther was protesting against, that mm. this has uh, a vital importance on any man if they don't understand how to be right with God. And if we're messing around with that, that has one of the biggest shifts. I think he says something like, um, if this article stands, the church stands. If this article collapses, the church collapses. When he was yeah. speaking about justification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just one thing I think that has relevance to today. Because a lot of churches are not focusing on on, on the gospel and what that means. And that's having a, 
a significant shift in our culture and in Christianity as, as they perceive it to to what it means. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I think that's I think that's why it's relevant for today because the same things that he's 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 talking about then it's, he could he could still do it today. Are, are, are we considering how it's relevant at a, at a at churchy level at an ecclesiastical level? Or are we just hmm. considering how it's... Sorry, what does Ecclesia mean? At a churchy level. Back to okay. churchy. Um, is, church. is, it, is it relevant? Are we trying to figure out how it's relevant at a churchy level? Yeah. Um, or are we trying to fig- figure out how it's relevant at a, at a more so- um, social... Uh, I think again, both. Because I think, I think the, the church can be... Can always kind of be reminded of, of what Luther done and just, just ensuring that they're actually focusing on what they should be focusing on. That they're, that they're yeah. making uh, significant... Um, desire to focus on Christ, to focus on the scriptures, to focus on the word, to focus on grace. Mm. Um, and then also be bold to preach this to the world that actually yeah. this is actually relevant to every man because these are the things that pertain to their soul mm. and their relationship with God. Mm. Is it okay? What are you saying? With regards to relevance. Yeah. I'm gonna so sla- like, what yeah. has the Reformation done and, and meant for you? <laughs> for me? Uh, wow. Um, for me, I mean, it's, it obviously forms part of my theological development in terms of um, studying the Bible and yeah. learning how to interpret the Bible. I think one of the big um, distinguishing features of the Reformation is this sort of like return um, to the original manuscripts, a return to the New Testament, um, which is, I think they call it ad fontes, um, which was like returning to the fountain or to the source, mm-hmm. uh, returning to the actual <laughs> manuscripts as opposed to... Ad fontes. You could say that in English, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but the point is... Yeah. The point is, um, yes, that was... That, that point itself, that when it comes to right theology, when it comes to correct doctrine, it ultimately goes back to the New Testament itself. Um, so... I'm not going to restrict my understanding of God to somebody else's interpretation. Not that the interpretation isn't valuable in understanding, but ultimately to in, to apply God's word properly, you, you do have to go to the original source. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the word. Yeah, which is which yeah. is the Bible, the scriptures. That was even, I think, the first you know pillar of the Reformation, Sola Scriptura, scripture alone which is because because scripture is the final authority any right doctrine must find its beginnings and its source ultimately in the scripture and Mm. in the scripture alone um so that was very important for my own like theological formation Mm. oh yeah that makes sense what about you richard um i i guess for me like sound like just correct theology um the reformation i think i think when i first glanced at this kind of question that you guys were posing um i would have thought that sound theology was 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 everything the reformation had really given me Mm -hmm. um but i think the more i began to think about the question um the more i realized that you know it's actually so much more than just the theology itself um as israel said you know one of the key things for us is that we have to make sure we look <coughs> we look to the bible yeah but, you know again if you hadn't if, if there hadn't been people like you know Wycliffe and stuff like that mm. then we wouldn't have even had a bible we could read in our language yeah. do you know what i mean and all of a sudden you realize that it's because of the reformation that i have a bible in my hand that i can read in mm-hmm. my language do you know what yeah. i mean um you know without fearing you know that i'm going to be i'm going to be murdered because i'm i'm, I'm preaching in my mm. common tongue mm-hmm. um or you know even just things like for example even even equality with regards to women um that's that's something that came out of the reformation you know you're thinking about the time where where there was a lot of monasteries and there and there was all the um the places where loads of nuns and stuff convent uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> convent so it is i i know the word but when i read it earlier i was thinking in my head i have no idea what it meant until i looked it up so i so i tried to stray away from it but um yeah the convents and the and the monasteries and stuff like people were being liberated as they realized that wow men and women are actually spiritual equals mm. you know i mean in a in a in a patriarchal society yeah. but then at the same time you get um women who are like okay 
even though we recognize we're spiritual equals we still recognize that there are certain roles um that are exclusive to men in the church and all these kind of things but they, they it doesn't the fact there are different roles doesn't do away with this idea of um the fact that they're equals do you know what yeah I mean? and and all of a sudden you kind of start to get that whole complementarian theology being developed by women who yeah. were who were in mm. do you know what I mean reform circles at the time mm-hmm. um or uh, the circles well, or the reformation circles at the time you know so it's quite it's quite wonderful in that sense and i think the more i look at it the more i see the reformation has actually helped me in ways i don't even understand yet mm. um and just the modern church like as a whole especially if you're outside of the roman catholic church yeah um so yeah we thank god for that really on that note actually i think that's important for anyone who's thinking why does the reformation even matter yeah part when you look at the church now um you can't really understand why the church is how it is today why your church as as a local church does certain things without studying history and seeing what were the developments that led to this current state so Larry Richard was saying you know now we see men and women as spiritual equals but that was not always a given and so when you look around and say oh that happens in my church but what's the history of that understanding the history of it allows you to understand the significance and the weight of that you know um, theological point Mm. You were speaking before about uh, Sola Scriptura. Is that like, is that the five solas? Do you want to? Yeah, so. Yeah, so. Start out for me. um, Typically, I guess, the Reformation is defined, or if, if so, let me me say that sentence again. Reformers were called Protestants because they protested against the the Roman Catholic Church. And that protest is usually summed up in five key points, which is, termed the five solas um, and they are sola scriptura which means scripture alone um, sola fide which means faith alone solus christus which means christ alone um, sola gratia which mm-hmm. means um, grace gratia. alone and sola de sola, sola dea gloria soli dea gloria soli yeah. dea gloria which is by god's glory alone yeah. um, to god's glory alone um, and those five are the the key tenets of protestantism and so if you ask yourself am i a protestant do you hold those five if you do then yes um scripture alone means that scripture is the final authority on all things pertaining to faith and um life yeah so it's not saying that scripture is the final authority on everything Mm -hmm. the bible isn't the final authority on uh, microbiological developments in i don't know um some microbiology <laughs> yeah so it's not so it's not it's not the the um so yeah on what the bible speaks about it is the final authority on that topic okay essentially is the point faith alone means that you as an individual when it comes to your right standing with god it is justification by faith and that's the one that you mentioned with regards to martin luther and the pillar on which the church stands or falls it's justification by faith alone that's in contrast by the way to what the Roman Catholic Church was saying, which was faith and good works. Yeah. So we're saying, yes, you have to believe, you have to trust, and you have to do good things to be in right standing with God. And I say, no, it's literally trusting Christ alone and his righteousness. And there is the third solace, which is Christ alone, um, that he's the only savior. Um, this is in contrast, contrast again to when it would, people would say Christ and Mary. Um in terms of intercessors, for example, yeah. it's saying, no, literally the only person who or mediates Christ. your salvation is Jesus Christ. Um, grace alone means that it's God's work. It's not you. It's not grace and you combining together in synergy. It's God alone doing this work. So when you say, why am I saved? It's because of God's grace. It's not anything I've done. And to God's glory alone, which means because God is doing everything, you can't take any credit. There's no ground on which you can stand to boast mm. and and there's, there's a lot of information there but really like i guess two key points um sola scriptura mm. and sola fide um they're known as the formal and material principles hmm. of the he aristotelian terminology go on Sorry. anyway the f- they're known as the formal and material <laughs> explain Sorry, please messing me up. Um, they're known as the formal and material principles of um essentially of the reformation okay um in contrast to roman catholicism so the formal principle is essentially the text the the authority within a particular movement within a particular you know uh denomination whatever within the roman catholic and and because and where they differ 
fundamentally, essentially is um, between Roman Catholicism and, and, and Protestantism, Protestantism mm. um, is that within the Roman Catholic Church, you know, you had the Pope, you had the Magisterium, you had um, the traditions, you had oral traditions, you had written traditions, you had, and then you had the scripture mm-hmm. as an additional authority on the same playing field as all of those things. Whereas in the Reformation, they came to the conclusion, no, the sole authority, the supreme authority within the church and the life of the church is the scriptures. Yeah. And the scripture might delegate an author- some, some, some sort of authority to the pastors or the elders and the scripture might delegate some authority to, do you know what I mean, to whatever. But when all is said and done, the scripture is the supreme authority within the church. Yeah. And that's fundamentally different because from the moment you set, get that, then when tradition says something, um, in contrast to scripture, the Roman Catholic Church might choose to take tradition. Whereas the um, within, what's it called? The Reformation, they were essentially like, no, if the scripture is the highest authority, this must be where we stand and here alone. And so when it came to issue, the, the, the material principle then is the, the main um, issue at the center of the movement. Yeah, and yeah. sola fide, the material principle for um, the Reformation was essentially saying we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone by well we're saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone looking to the scriptures alone but the main es- the essence of that is really we're saved by faith and faith alone in Christ you know um, and that's again completely different to the Roman Catholic Church who believes in various mediators between God and man the saints who believe in playing for the dead who believe in last, last rites who believe Pecatory. in purgatory and stuff like that so 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 though that 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 sola scriptura and that sola fide are really at the center and the heart of the Reformation. And they are key, that's the, where the key battle lied. Um, obviously the other things were peripheral to an extent, but they were obviously key points and key issues as well as many other things. So, yeah. yeah. That's sweet. That's sweet. <laughs> I think that's probably what, what one of the contentions that Luther was pushing against, this whole idea of people being able to buy indulgences, which would be a form of a way to reduce, mm. you know, remission for sin. And, 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 and you're thinking, wow, like that is nowhere found in, in the Bible has, has that does not glorify Christ and show Christ as to be the, the only way of, of salvation. Mm, um, it mm. has nothing to do with, with faith or grace. And it had, mm. all of that had an impact on all the other solaces. And you wonder why. And that's the reason why Luther was, was kicking against and saying, no, this has, this impacts everything and all the other issues that they had at the time. Um, so yeah, so what, do you think that the modern church has, has or hasn't moved away from the Reformation? Like, how relevant do you think it is to the church? Like, I mean, like the the local church and their day to day practice. Mm. Like, how do you think the Reformation is impacts that? Uh, I would okay. I would say Wait, that no. Mary, what do you think? <laughs> no, I just <laughs> asked the question. <laughs> Mary, what do you think? <laughs> I just asked the question. Israel, come on, chime in. Come on. <laughs> I ask questions and then run away. <laughs> uh, um, I forgot. Wait, what's my point? No, I will remember. <laughs> It's back. Okay, yeah. So the, the first thing I was going to mention, I hope I remember the second thing, um, is that the five solas um, are more ingrained in Christian theology than I think most people realize. Okay. Mm. If you asked an average Christian, yeah, like I guess the if what? I guess if you did, are a, you not average, bro? If you did the random sample and you just picked, I don't know, yeah, 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 a yeah. handful of Christians across England, United Kingdom, wherever. Most would say yes. The Bible should be the final authority on faith and all things relating to spiritual life. Yes, I I, I doubt. I think by Actually, I don't know. Yeah. average Christian. Bruce, I've, I've seen polls. I've seen polls where they, people think the Bible shouldn't speak to these. No, no, no. It's not about spe- We're talking about the actual point of the, about it being the final authority, okay. not on is the Bible right on this point, but as in when it comes to consulting on theology should the bible be the final authority most people will probably say in word yes yeah in word in oh, word yeah. yeah but my point is that my point is that i think the five solas is more ingrained in the christian psyche than we probably recognize true okay i guess that's the point i'm trying to make no one will ever say oh of course i receive yeah. i should receive glory along with god yeah no no christian would say like, that like whether whether, anyway. yeah, whether just in word but that that solely deo gloria is part of the christian psyche by and large i mean yeah. obviously there are exceptions and so on mm. um so that was my first point i can't remember my second one so i'm going to pass it back to you two and <laughs> ponder i think the continued renewal of the five solars um i think if every 
local church had a desire to to make it a, to focus to to find their their doctrine and the through the word to look um to be saved through through faith alone knowing that faith is given to us by grace and it's christ that saves and that we live our whole life to the glory of god um i think if every church was 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 focused on that and that was almost their banner um you you could imagine just just how um, impactful the, the local church would be um i think they need to fight for the gospel as well because mm. i think we think in our churches of course we're sinners so the, the the reality of us moving away from the gospel is is a daily fight and i think the local church has to be armed with that and i think the reformation is, is a way to remind us of that a, a local church could be like yeah yeah we're fine you know we preach the word every week you know we're, we're, we're focusing mm. on all these things we agree with it but it's actually are you fighting against that because what luther had to do was against fight against darkness um and push, and push against it yeah. and then continually fight and then we've seen throughout the whole 500 years to 2017 we're still fighting so a local church has to be always mindful of okay are we fighting for the gospel are we preaching the gospel are we loving the gospel mm. are we are we doing everything through a gospel-centered lens are we focusing on christ because you can say these things and you can say yeah i agree yeah yeah mm. all, all good but are we doing this this is our daily desire yeah. every time we meet with god's people yeah yeah i remembered my point <laughs> Say it then. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make it compliment what you just said. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, let's make this work. Why's your face like that, Richard? He's just practically said I'm gonna force the point. <laughs> no, no, no. I remember I remember my point, but obviously because of the disconnect, I'm gonna, I'm I wanted to still to I want in line with the combo. I I still wanted to merge rather than it being like oh I said something I paused and I just sort of picked up where Richard, I left off. I mean, it's wrong. But on, yeah, be free. Um, be free. <laughs> Speak. So what I was saying on, on the one hand when I said that the five solas is more ingrained than the Christian psyche than we recognize. Yes. And the other, on the other hand, what I was trying to say is that it's also more neglected um, than it really should be. There's a, I don't know, there's a strange sort of um, air in the Christian world that seems to suggest um, that formal theology is not that important. Um, yeah, we just need you. to have this general love for other people. We need to have like you know maybe an a morbid obsession with just virtues and feeling compassion things like that but you as far morbid, as you know <laughs> because i mean I obviously these things there. are good but it's a morbid obs- obsession it, it has its place but to suggest that a formal theology does not matter all that does matter is just that i love my the neighbor. people in the church and so on yeah my neighbor and all that stuff then i'm good well obviously those things are important and no one's saying don't do that but on top of that you need to also have this very detailed theology that sets the boundaries of doctrine and right belief we do it in every other sphere that matters to us no one says you know in the political world let's just love the neighboring countries we make treaties for a reason like we Mm. actually set in detail the doctrine of international relations because yeah. we realize that of course we have this compassion towards another country that's experiencing civil war and xyz but we also need to set this in stone as a reference point to show us when we are deviating when we are aligned as a guide for us and the reformation principles of the five solos serve that same point so it's it's very important for us i think to fight against any um mindset that wants to say this stuff is just complicated theological concepts for the PhD holders up there in academia in their own little bubble. But as far as the local church and their day-to-day operations, it has no bearing. It has absolutely everything everything to do with the bearing of the church because it sets the, the boundaries of, of right belief, which allow us to know when we are indeed flourishing. Because yeah. we, when, when you say, okay, am I really experiencing spiritual vitality? This is what Luther was saying. The peasant is thinking, I am because I'm buying indulgences. Luther say, no, all of life is repentance and those indulgences contribute nothing to your spiritual life. Mm. And that, and writing that in paper and referencing it and burning it into your mind allows you to experience true spiritual growth and community in the local church and so on. Mm. And to reject justification by faith or yeah. any of the other things that he was complaining about would be to f- to fail as a church. Yeah, you know what, what is it that we love our neighbors, but we are not justified that what we're what we're trusting in isn't Christ and what Christ has done for us, but it's our own works that isn't saving us at all. Mm. And it even makes our love for our neighbor almost warped because we're not doing it to, to the glory of God alone. Yeah, mm. yeah. Richard, what are you saying? Um, <laughs> there's been so much knowledge. <laughs> 
there's been a lot that's been said uh i guess just to piggyback off piggyback piggyback off a couple points to piggyback off um there's a i think i think one of the key things that israel definitely brought out was uh the i wasn't going to bring this up personally but now that he has um just this i this airy kind of idea around theology that it's not necessary or that it's just for a chosen few okay um and it's not for all of the church to to indulge in and to and to and to and to put themselves to to study um you know i i think of menor simons as well as the, <laughs> the um what's it called one of the forerunners during the time of the reformation after the bible was translated he was one of the the preachers who went out and started preaching truth and and essentially at the time he was actually a roman catholic priest mm-hmm. um he never and he actually strayed away from reading the bible because he thought it might the devil might use it to lead him away from truth um Rough. it's crazy because after a while when he started to question certain things like transubstantiation and and various other truths he's uh, well not truths falsehoods <laughs> um that were that were being propounded by the roman catholic church he reluctantly decided to start reading and after reading the scriptures he realized that they weren't just wrong there but they were wrong on so many other in so many other places mind you this man was a was one of part of the clergy yet he had never read the bible before in his life Oh, you wow. know, th- this is that's how mad it is, um, and it's crazy because that's almost a picture of contemporary Christianity in many senses. Mm. People are in positions of leadership. I, I've said it before. You know, I was I was a youth leader for f- five years before, with, and I wasn't a Christian. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you know, you we 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 put people in positions of authority based on talents and various things, but not on not on um on virtue based on virtue or based on uh you know their their dedication to the scriptures or anything of that of that kind of sort and then we you know we we glorify you know emotions and sentiment over serious study of the scriptures and that's just so far gone from um from the truth and you know we thank god because just like menno was able to go and read and and study diligently and eventually his followers really became heavily heavy influences in the in the protestant reformation you know likewise we have many people here in our in our communities today who are actually getting a, a real thirst for the scriptures um you know i think of proverbs fifteen twenty eight that says uh, the heart of a righteous man studies to answer but the mouth of a wicked person pours out evil hmm. um evil things you know the 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 key one of the key determinants of the righteous person here in contrast when they're being juxtaposed against a wicked person is the fact that they study Mm. you know and essentially the 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 wicked person is just pouring out of their ignorance mm. um and in this sense you know ignorance just isn't bliss we have um we have a duty as christians to sit down and study the word and and this was the reformation occurred at the, during the time of the renaissance you have people there who were definitely gifted prodigies um well-read lawyers doctors all these different kind of things um people who had the ear of emperors you know what i mean mm. and 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 kings and monarchs and whatever and they were the people who were yes leading the reformation and, and speaking at the forefront but you know what it trickled down into the congregations and you had people in the in the pews who were just dedicated to reading the scriptures and correcting their neighbors etc and 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 to pushing truth where wherever possible do you know what i mean and 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 we need i guess in the modern church we're having something of a revival back towards that but we're obviously getting you know pushback in the name of pluralism and all these various other kind of things but i'm what i'm hoping to see more of especially within our modern church is just people appreciating the desire of 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 their of their peers to go back into the scriptures etc and for them to to accept that and to seek to join in you know um the reformation isn't over in that sense semper reformenda uh keep on we keep on constantly reforming and wherever there's a culture that's fallen there needs to be countercultural theology. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Hey guys, it's Israel. Thank you to all those who entered the student giveaway competition. The winners should have received an email stating that the Bibles are on their way. If it does not reach you, be sure to email us and we'll make sure that, that is sorted as soon as possible. On a more general note, because of all the good feedback, we want to open this up to everybody so everyone can enter this giveaway competition. Just make sure you sign up for the mailing list. And of course, the secret ingredient of love, life and liberty. Make sure you like, share, retweet, subscribe, 
do all things social media appropriate and again make sure you sign up for the mailing list that's tinyurl.com slash that is going to be instrumental to deciding who gets the bibles thank you for your support much love peace brah so what are some of the ways in which you think the reformation teaches christian how to engage with our contemporary culture especially luther was was dealing with 1517 yeah. How are you guys dealing with contemporary culture in 2017? What do you think, Mary? <laughs> Israel. This guy has an agenda. 100%. Oh, so done. <laughs> Richard, what do you think? What do you think? About what was the question? <laughs> he did it, Israel. <laughs> Excuse me? No. <laughs> what are some are of the ways? Israel now? Yeah, we're doing no. it in Israel. When you no, forget no, no, your no, no, question, no, no, no. Well, you don't, don't know what you're talking about. No, no, no. not know what you're talking about. That's wrong. When you forget your question... Uh, f- miss a key point or something you're doing it or repeat nah. a point that somebody else just point. made nah, excuse nah, me he was piggybacking he was adding exactly <laughs> was making no, it now. clearer oh before hidden figures uh-uh. <laughs> anyway <laughs> what, what? <laughs> hidden figures <laughs> anyway yeah yeah what are some um, of the ways in which uh, the reformation teaches you to deal with contemporary culture to so, deal with contemporary culture yeah or to just, engage or respond to to engage or respond to temp- contemporary culture I think something we just have to recognise is that you know the reformation wasn't just people with pickets and you know who were pouring blood on fur you know or or coming out with all these kind of different do you know what I mean these kind of aggressive means um for responding to something it wasn't it wasn't purely reactionary but reactionary but they were declaring truths do you know what i mean um in the reformation they were trying to they weren't trying to even make a new theology do you know what i mean like luther stood on the back of an augustine yeah. Do you know what I mean? As well as um, people who were like the Wyc- Wycliffe and, and, and Jan Hus and all these kind of people. Like they, they, he was standing on the back of an Augustine as well. They were trying to recapture sound theology yeah. and ensure that it was appropriately apply- applied to the modern culture. Mm-hmm. And I guess if the question is, what are some of the ways in which the Reformation teaches <laughs> Christians to engage with our contemporary culture? <laughs> then... <laughs> If, if 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 that's the question, then yeah. I guess even in the modern day, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> Don't annoy Where me. was my point going? <laughs> Where was my point going? I, oh yeah, then it teaches us that we shouldn't necessarily be trying to just make new waves in mm. theology, but we should be constantly trying to recapture truths that were first declared to us by our Lord, then by the apostles, and then by those who heard him, yeah. and the and the and the godly men who had it entrusted to them, etc., etc. And mm. when the, ever the church strays, just like we've had councils in the past and creeds in the past, and now you know the reformation of the past, we too will constantly try and recapture that sound theology wherever possible. And you know the church, obviously, there's nothing new under the sun. But culture's forever progressing as as God's creative plan continues to unfold to unfold. And therefore, culture is always going to try and stray off in different ways. And the church will always be affected in somewhat different ways. And we've just got to be constantly trying to make sure that we're constantly um, responding to the culture, to this fallen culture in a correct um, in a correct way, in, a, in the correct countercultural way where necessary and actually accepting and appreciating culture where, where necessary. Mm. Yeah, because I, I think I feel like as culture shifted, it's the church tries to follow. It's, right. its leadership or follow its lead and then try to adapt in a most biblical way we know so if i don't know if the church if the world is moving to a, a i don't know a different style of, of understanding or, mm. or medium the church is like, okay cool let's follow and of course there are there are um points and periods in which we can do that so there are, there are so we can watch, um, use of instruments can. So, so use of instruments or the way we use media yeah. you know so, you can use your social media as a way to promote the gospel and, and to promote your local church but i think when you're trying to move to think okay if, if we become like culture and if right. we're actually you know just as futuristic or just as avant-garde as they are then they will actually engage with the church and love us and i it's think like, it was um gk chesterton that said whoever marries their present culture will be um, divorced in the next one. You know, you you, you had click, me one click. Just from the Top just clicked in the uh-huh. corner. You had me one from. Yeah, the you, d- you said you kicked Chesterton. Chesterton. I was just like, yeah, you right, um, you right. Um, but no, yeah, I think I, even just to give two examples, uh, and I think two completely different examples, just so we can deal with see the extremes. I guess mm-hmm. you know, you might have a church that says, "Oh, um, we like all things new," and because the cultures now, I don't know, the cultures, you know, when it comes to things like, um same-sex marriage and all these kind of things where where the church has to speak out 
and and reaffirm the biblical view of manhood and womanhood um it would be a shame if the church would go and say oh just because the world has said has said this and everything else is is not nice we should go and join them you know um that would be a failure of the church but at the same time um because we would be going along with the failings of the culture however at the same time if it was for example um technology the use of technology in the church um it might be that the church then goes and says no um technology my lord didn't speak about technology so we need to make sure that we don't use do you know what i mean we don't yeah. ever use we don't ever use technology in our church that would be a failure of on, on, on the church's part because they don't appreciate that god has in his creative in the creative blueprints for the world and in the grand scheme of things has even made technology as a good thing to be appreciated and something as part of his creation essentially um using his human agents as the creative as his pens essentially in in in, in his design so it's 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 both extremes you don't want to be too you don't want to run away from culture and deem it all sinful and and evil intrinsically but at the same time you do want to and you want to appreciate the good parts of culture but at the same time you have to be do that with a discerning eye and recognize mm. that certain parts of it are going to be tarnished by sinners because it's often being led and um, by sinners that well, common grace feature is very important yeah. um i think calvin really exemplified it when he took his humanist background and um sort of professional education and used it for the right you know theological development of the church so i'm thinking i'm thinking in particular um of the whole principle that i mentioned of ad fontes didn't actually start with calvin again um, back you, to the Barry. fountain, returning to the sources. It actually started with humanist scholars in Italy in the 14th, 15th century, probably earlier as well, um, who were saying, let's go back to the classics. So they were, they were thinking in terms of Western civilization and broad philosophy. Let's go back to the ancient Greeks and let's go back to these, to Aristotle and to the origin, to the sources of Western um, thinking. And so, Calvin took that idea and applied it to the to Christianity and it essentially said wait okay for western philosophy i see these humanist philosophers going back to the sources what about christianity you know i look at the church around me and we're not going back to the sources we're going to the priest who doesn't even read this latin vulgate that's not accessible to the common people yeah let's go back to the new testament itself let's go back to the greek manuscripts and interpret directly from the Greek manuscript to find the core meaning of um, concepts like justification and so on and so forth. Um, so that is an example of what Richard is saying of taking the right aspects of your culture, you know, mm -hmm. looking and saying that I, that way of thinking is, is, is sound. And so we can use it and apply it biblically. Um, but obviously, more, huh? Tell me more. <laughs> obviously there are, there are aspects that are wrong. <laughs> Um, and so he didn't apply it to its fullest extent. Um, he benefited a lot from Aristotelian philosophy, but he adapted so much of it um, and would happily in his institutes talk about where he digressed from certain um, thinkers. And so it still shows this idea of, you know, taking what is good um, and throwing away what is bad, um, but just not throwing away the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next question. Should we reunite with the Roman Catholic Church and do away with all these denominations that the Reformation created? All these theological disagreements, are they even that serious? Wow. What kind of question is that? It's a question. And it's a, a question. Uh. Should we reunite with the Catholic Church? This was 500 years ago, as we mm. said. So, you know, the Catholic Church may have, the stance may have changed. On what, though? To be honest, the stance has changed. Huh? <laughs> 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 I'm rattled. I'm rattled. Rattled. Given it, Israel. <laughs> Of course, we should, as long as they change the 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 the, the catechism, the, the catechism, the catechism, the official documents, and they uphold the five solas. Why not? And they drop their pope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they stop praying to their saints. We've got a lot of Rome's teaching on justification. They got a lot of catching up. Differs from biblical Christianity. You know, they believe in faith and works. The the, the, the biblical. Yeah. All you have to do is change the faith. documents. It's not. <laughs> and you have to believe it as well. There's a little bit more than that. <laughs> 
they're teaching on the papacy or you know the pope differs from biblical christianity and ephesians 4 5 says christ alone has universal power over the church mm. um romans teaching on mary Romans teaching on mary differs from biblical christianity as well we've just said Don't that she's a dead. Yeah. mediatrix um i think they've even added that she yeah they've made they, they essentially they tried to pass that she was the co-redemptrix yeah um but they failed, but they like out of like maybe 600 volts or something like, or a thousand volts or something, it was something crazy like 500 and, uh, 503 said, don't do it. And 497 said, let's change this thing. Um, wow. So it's That's so crazy. It's, it's crazy because like they're not, you almost want to say that even though there's, there has been quite a lot of, um, you know, quite a few scholars, quite a few um, just you know, readers of the Bible who are starting to question a lot of Roman uh, Catholic doctrine within the Roman Catholic, you know, denomination. Um, but that said, there still seems to be moving, you know, so far left that it's that From it's the unreal, you know. And we're not talking politically left. Like no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm talking about right is the Bible because <laughs> it's correct, and left is <laughs> wrong because it's wrong. At this at this rate, so yeah, they're teaching yeah. on purgatory. Purgatory differs from biblical Christianity as well. They believe mm. in purgatory, but that's mm. nowhere in the scriptures. On the canon, you know, yeah, yeah, Man like Baruch, um, and in the teaching on the saints as well. I remember growing up, and I remember when I first found about. I'm gonna cough. <coughs> so sorry, um, but I remember growing up and first finding that all Christians are called saints. And mm. I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, but you know, I went to a Catholic church, went to a Catholic yeah. secondary school. You know, saints were only those who was can- canonized. Right. And the church had to, the Catholic church had X to number of miracles, yeah. and then confirm it. I was mm. like, no, like it's not, it's only St. Mary, St. Francis. No, you can't. Just, and then I remember reading the scriptures and finding out that, you know, every believer is called a saint. Yeah. yeah. You know, Paul yeah. calls the church in Ephesus saints. Yeah. And saints he had in God. a lot of the issues of God, with them yeah. and he still called them saints. And, and that's a big, I think for me, that's like one of the biggest issues I find because that's an issue with justification. If you're saying that mm. that that um there's some saints and then there's there's some you're doing a hierarchy with yeah. Christianity. And what does that do for the, the local church and, and, mm. and realizing that we are all have equal standing with in God? You know, this is back to what I was saying before about the women who find themselves as equal as well. You know, it was crazy for them when they found out that we're all a royal priesthood and a chosen and a mm. chosen nation. You know, mm. it was it, it, all of a sudden they realized, wow, we don't have to be nuns <laughs> in order to have some sort of um, spiritual oomph. You know, we yeah. can actually just be, you know, day to day Christians who have put their trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and that's enough, you know, mm. um, and it's, you know, and it's and it's the same with whatever you were just talking about that has left my mind i'm so saints, sorry I'm saints. the saints the saints the saints which is doing israel you know it's been nope. a long day but yeah the saints it's, it's, um it's it's the exact yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my day begins early i wake up uh, um but yeah but no yeah saints the saints in the same way you know has has the catholic church changed are they is not it the same that they were i mean not ago? enough they still hold all 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 the issues that luther mentioned with regards to indulgence and everything yeah the the roman catholic church still officially stands by uh, so when obviously when i say and change the documents i'll speak in tongue-in-cheek um because it would like you you literally listed off all the issues it would be a huge shift a reformation <laughs> yeah. yeah to Actually. literally find the roman catholic church turn in such a way that it could actually be a legitimate biblical church we wish they um, would though yeah we pray yeah, they would yeah that's why the reformation isn't over. someone someone asked you know what, what would calvin what's the first thing calvin would do if he were alive today and and um, i think it was rc sproul maybe not um someone said you know he would try and unite <laughs> all these protestants with the roman catholic church and basically continue what he was trying to do um but yeah i think ultimately when, when it comes to unite these issues are so deep and i think we undermine the seriousness of them if we think it's just a matter of agree to disagree yeah because it's beyond that it is not um you know should we spend 10 pounds or 12 pounds on x projects this is quite literally life or death kind you know topics that we're discussing yeah um and so you can't resolve it by saying can't we all just all get along um, that's a nice sentiment and I understand the sentiment but ultimately it's not a useful sentiment in addressing the issues um, so of, of course we hope that the Roman Catholic Church makes the changes 
But as it stands, given the, the, the current conditions, I think a better approach should be um, that Christians uphold as closely as possible biblical truth, mm. no matter what that results in. And I think I think when you like that, I used to have a, a picture. I think essentially the the issue is most people would like for it to be you know peace at all costs and the yeah. truth where possible. Mm. Um, whereas the Reformation really like drills down the point that you know what no it's truth at all costs and peace where possible. Um, and the issue is with the way that the Roman Catholic Church has fundamental issues with um various aspects particularly of the gospel not just general theology but the gospel the itself, gospel itself. Mm. um the fact that roman catholic the roman catholic church attacks you know how a person is saved even hence the material principles um how the material principles differ the response of the church today should not be oh we can just overlook that in the name of love because truth be told love will tell that you know sometimes love love hurts and 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 if you're really going to be loving you know as a doctor to a dying patient you're not going to say to them you know yeah you're going to live a long life and then watch them drop dead tomorrow you know it's you'll tell them the absolute truth so that they can set things in order for their loved ones so that they can be of as much use as possible even though it might cause them some pain at first you know, uh, it might make them cry. It might make it might cause you to fall out. It might not. It might mean they don't talk to you for the rest of your, li- your life. Um, but Lord willing, it will sow seeds that will ultimately result in their salvation, um, and them turning away from some such heresy. So yeah, yeah. and a lot mm. of Catholics that I speak to, which I went to Catholic secondary school, I was going to a Catholic church most of my life ish, apart from when I was at home with my parents and so forth. Um, they don't know this. So you mm. speak to like an average Catholic, and they don't know stuff about the apocrypha all they know is their homily their their 20 minutes homily they get every sunday and then Mm. mass and they don't actually know anything about you know the fact that they don't believe in justification by faith alone Mm. in christ alone their thoughts on mary they they may know that they 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 honor mary but they don't they don't know the ramifications it has and i think i would encourage any catholics or anyone who would identify themselves as a catholic to really look into these things and and see how destructive Mm. they are uh, and, mm. and these are the same things that Luther was, was kicking against and, and people in the Reformation. Mm. Um, do you know what's mad? That that just brings back that Proverbs verse, you know, the righteous student studieth. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the wicked just keeps on dashing out like rubbish. Yeah. Um, and on that point, it does mean that there are Christians in the Roman Catholic Church. So it's not... So how, did you, how did you get that on that point? Out <laughs> of no, not, not what you said on um, what Mary said about the average Roman Catholic doesn't know or okay. wouldn't like be able to recount um, all these, you know, technical details of Roman Catholic theology, um, and that means essentially that there are true Christians in there who, by all measures, believe in justification by faith. Um, and if you were to ask them and quiz them, they would give you um, true biblical truth in response, as opposed to or reciting of yeah. um, the Roman Catholic catechism and so on. Yeah. Yeah. It's mad though, because that catechism has a lot of wild stuff in there. A lot of wild stuff. A lot of good stuff as it. well, you know. No, it has some... The it has Trinitarian some... theology is... Whew. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, it might have it might have some good Trinitarian theology, but then have you read the rest about their God theology? <laughs> exactly. I'm moving on. The, the little God theology in the Roman Catholic Catechism. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. That. Yeah, they have uh, they have quite a lot of that whole you know Christ became man so that man can become God. Go check it out. Um, check it out. Go check it out. <gasps> Is there any final take home lessons from the Reformation? There are so many. Like one, then. I mean, I have seventy six in my head. <laughs> I've, okay, I have, I'm gonna say I have ninety five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say one point about. Um, I think when I was looking through the Reformation and I was looking at the key figures, um, I'm can, I can kind of quickly say some. You've got the Luther, you've got Swingley, you've got mm. Busa, mm. you've got Bollinger, you've got Calvin, Dang. you've got Kramer. For real. Big up all my, my girls. You know, yep. you've got um, Jean Dalbray and mm. Lady Jane Grey and mm. Katie Von Bora. And there's, mm. there's so Willibor- many. Catherine Willoughby. There's so many great um, yeah. figures. And I think what I what, what I had when I was, what I was kind of encouraged by is that we have a long line of like, like 
godly, brave, mm. courageous mm. men and women in church history. You stole my point. People, oh, <laughs> <laughs> if we had seventy-five, bro. <laughs> Activated by the truth of the gospel, yeah. truth of the yeah. word, and stood yeah. for it. And you, yeah. there's so many people that I've named who who lost things. You know, hmm. they lost notoriety. They lost some sort of. They lost their lives. Um, yeah. But for that truth of of the, of the gospel, they held on to it. And I'm just, mm. I'm so encouraged when I feel, when I can read of average joes hmm. and also like great monarchs and princes yeah. and princesses who loved the gospel and was gonna fight for that truth. Of, of knowing that Christ is the one that saves us and mm. there's nothing we can do and I was just like big up them so like yeah yeah that definitely should form our understanding of Christian fidelity in contemporary um, culture and society which means that when Luther was standing there saying you know here I stand I can do no other and they're saying recant recant he wasn't thinking I want to establish a movement mm. I want to become known in all these history like he didn't ha- he, he was like look i have one calling faithfulness to god full stop mm. that's simple and yet the mark that that faithfulness left is making waves in the world 500 years later and i think the partly due to the rise of technology but the impulse to want to be famous now means that we too we hold too loosely to fidelity mm. because we're ready to shift you know with the winds of the times according to what will get what will get us the numbers what will make us our churches bigger what will uh, make us famous and popular and get our word out there but if it's like no we hold a conviction that we believe to be true and we stand on it regardless of what the results are that's the ultimate um standard and god will bless that and give fruit what the fruit will be is for God to decide, but there will be fruit always when it comes to fidelity. So I think that lesson is important mm. um, as well. Yeah, I was even um, sorry, Richard. I was um, listening to like here. a talk on um, on Martin Luther's life, and there's a statue in Wittenberg of mm. Martin Luther holding the Bible. And I, and I love what the man said. He goes, him, he's sure that Luther would want the, the statue to be the Bible holding him. And, and that was his that, that was Luther's focus mm. was the word that shakes that's me. the scriptures Ooh. I know that was, I, I shook mm-hmm. when I listened to it give it as a well. couple clicks um, but yeah his focus was on the word yeah. it was it was scripture alone and and, and, uh, and Christ alone and grace alone and faith alone to the glory of God alone and that was it and mm. and, and that's the only thing that he was, he was captivated on and focused on and I think if the church could recapture that same desire every single local church all across England all across the world um, it would be Amazing. Magnificent. Yeah, it would be it would be amazing. 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 Richard. You guys finished eating my points. <laughs> <laughs> he said there's seventy six points. I can't and you said there are ninety five. The thesis, bro. <laughs> play on play on numbers. <laughs> um my my I'm going to say a little bit about one of the um forerunners to re- to the Reformation and then essentially draw my point out of it. Mm-hmm. Um essentially Peter Waldo. Uh, Peter Valdo, he mm. was in the 13th century. Mm. Um, he was a rich man, owned an awful lot of res- of state of estate and stuff like, like that. Big rich, yeah, big no, rich. No, he down, was like big down. rich. Hey, you got a couple bars in the in you. You got a couple. No, um, <laughs> continue. <laughs> he calls me big rich. I hope you heard that. Anyway, Peter okay. Valdo, 13th century, very rich man, owned an awful lot, and I don't know how it came about per se. There's a bit, you know, a bit of ambiguity maybe, but he essentially read the scriptures found out that you know that christ was obviously god and all these various kind of things and tried to serve god in various ways but then realized that you know what his estate his money etc was actually so much that he he had just been serving mammon uh, serving hmm. mammon um so he was reading luke i think and he he saw where you know christ sees the rich young ruler um, and tells him to sell all he has and how that rich, rich young ruler was a uh, you know, was cut to the heart, but just couldn't, just couldn't bring himself to sell everything for the sake of Christ. And, you know, essentially, um, man like Valdo got to the point where he was just like, rah, um, I just don't want to be like that rich young ruler that can't serve the Lord in this area. And so he essentially made provisions for his, like his wife and kids. And then he gave, he gave everything away. Um, he went on to, you know, to really lead, uh, a huge movement of trying to promote sound theology within the Roman Catholic Church and hmm. um, which ultimately resulted in his excommunication wow. and uh, and his followers you know were were heavily persecuted he eventually was martyred all these various kind of things um 
and various people died. Do you know what I mean, many people, I think he was martyred. I can't remember for sure. Um, and then various people were persecuted and died who, who followed him. But when all was said and done, he he started a ripple effect at that time, way before Luther, you know, a few hundred years before Luther. And, you know, by the time that Luther's 95 Thesis came around, you know, his followers were some of the first people who were there supporting Luther yeah. because they essentially realized that Luther was, um, what Victor Valdo started um, was something that Luther had, uh, was a baton that essentially Luther picked up. And um, I think it just reminds me when all is said and done, if there's, if there's one take home lesson, is that nothing's too, too um, we can't give up. There's nothing too much for us to give up for the sake of Christ. Mm. Um, you know, it might be, it might be our time. Um, and that means that we just have to give more time to studying the word, more time to, to, to the fellowship of the saints. It could be, um, our finances, as Israel mentioned last uh, last week on, on the podcast, you know, giving up our money for the sake of the advancement of the money. kingdom of God. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, it could be it could be anything. It could be our pride. Do you know what I mean? With regards to having to, you know, come to the to the point whereby we say, do you know what the theology I hold to is just, you know, is is an untenable puts me in an untenable position when it comes to my views of Christianity. Um, and you know they're unsubstantiated we whatever it whatever it is we have to give up nothing's too big to give up for the sake of christ and i think that's uh that's something that was key for all those people in the reformation who were willing to give up their lives uh, their money their time their finances their reputation and their jobs and and everything for the sake of and and even their stability for the sake of uh for the sake of christ and it speaks to us now who are in this contemporary culture who have things so easy but if we were just willing to give up just a little, we could actually cause such a wonderful ripple effects amongst our current communities. So yeah. You preach, boy. <laughs> you cough, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive Mary, Sha. She's a bit ill. Israel, anything you want to say? Uh, not re- not really. I think. I mean, the the forerunner um, that Richard referred to um, actually made me think about those who came quite significantly after the reformation um and just how they kept the legacy Mm. so how so just like just as there were people doing the work pre-reformation there were those doing the work post-reformation um in england um and then when england moved uh, into the americas those working still working in germany um even in light (laughs) of all the massive theological shifts and i think for us in terms of more what's the word in terms of history that's closer to us there's a better way to say that but anyway recent history yes in terms of recent history or or a more proximate history so with so many big words <laughs> um i think what we can what we can take from the reformation is being able to look around us and see what has recently happened that we can continue to propel because mm. essentially luther took the work of his predecessors and blew it up and 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 made it you know and scaled it um and there's so many things that are going on right now that the church is doing um to bring about a reformation or revival or renewal that we can scale based on where we find ourselves in life and so it's really looking around and saying you know in the province of god what how how has his placement of my life in this vocation in this area whether it's London or Manchester and so on, how has that allowed me to be in a prime position to advance the good work that has already begun by those before me? Mm. Good point. So what are you guys doing for Reformation Day? So I said Halloween to my night. I said to my pastor my local church that we, say Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> that we should have um so Halloween, of course it's on the day of Halloween, we should dress up as Reformers. Martin Luther, reformers, have a little reformation party. He literally replied with an emoji and said, Why? And then ignored me afterwards. You said Stress. that? Who did you say that my, to? My pastor. Stress. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you guys doing for Reformation Day, please? What, you want us to dress up with you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go in the town. We spread the gospel. We dress up as the reformers. We go door to door. They think we're here for sweets. We give them tracks. And we give them, you know, <laughs> that five solos. That's, so that's how you get beat up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure lie. Well, when people give up. But I think, I that's, think actually, that's actually unloving. 
it's it reminds me of is it the premier gospel I think Mary pick it up make your mind up where are you standing no you give them sweets and yeah yeah I was gonna reference I think premier gospel or UCB one of them yeah during Christmas they'll have like like a Christmas gift pack thing that you can give to friends that includes Christmas presents and material that's relating sound. to I think Jimmy Needham used to do that as well so stuff like that yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. I mean that's a good shout um, but no that's Tuesday that means I'm at work <laughs> <laughs> I should just check my calendar you check your calendar you check my re- calendar unless I'm in the hospital oh, I'm yeah, at that's work true. I'm hoping my baby's for all of you who day. are wondering what can I do for Reformation Day because I am so eager after hearing this inspiring podcast episode <laughs> here's one thing you can do donate to Blackberry yeah? <laughs> no <laughs> secondly can they not wait can they not <laughs> secondly <laughs> secondly um, listen to a talk by either um, R.C. Sproul John Piper D.A. Carson um, Tim Keller who else is there that's got something on our H.B. Charles H.B. Charles Vody Barkham Vody Barkham there's like so yeah the Gospel BT, Coalition you know um, and then as after you listen to those guys and they and they put sound theology in your heart and you're feeling all generous <laughs> <laughs> Donate to Blackberry. Yeah, basically, <laughs> as well. You love money. No, uh-uh, we just spoke about the Shangri-La. You know what it is, yeah? It's, it's it really is a biblical <laughs> theology of stewardship. True. You mm. see, mm. can I get some clicks? Come on, go. Come on, guys. <laughs> we're, all we're all clicking. We're all clicking. We're all clicking. Okay. Anything else? Are we done? I think yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for listening, guys. We really hope. What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? So you just disturbed my whole outro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really hope you enjoyed this um, topic mm. on the Reformation. Mm. The Reformation isn't over, mm-hmm. as Richard said earlier. Semper reformanda, which means mm. we're always reforming. And ad fonte. Was that the fountain. Something about a fountain. Fountains. Fountains, fountains, fountains around fountain. us. Fountains, so fountains all around us. I'm, so I'm Mary. I'm Big Rich. No. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. And I'm, I'm Mary. Izzy. And I'm Big That's Rich. Oh. Let's try that again. Okay. I'm Mary. I'm Big Rich. And I'm Izzy. This is Bacteria. Take care. Crap. <laughs> 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 you what? <laughs>